Taking up your cross, suffering and sacrificing have been superseded with name it and claim it. And as dark as I know it looks out there, the good news is that God is advancing his kingdom. And it's very exciting to be a part of his great commission. It's Sheila Zelensky. The Sheila Zelensky Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now... Here is your host, End Time Watchwoman, Sheila Zelinsky. Hello, listeners, and welcome to this Tuesday, March 17th, 2015 edition of the Sheila Zelinsky Show. For all you Irish people, it is St. Paddy's. You all know my guest today. He is a powerful, anointed, old-school preacher, prolific scriptorian, and a man we all greatly appreciate and love. It's Pastor David Langford from The Voice of Evangelism. He joins me today. Pastor Langford, welcome to the program. Sheila, it's always a great joy to be with you, of course, to break the bread of life, the Word of God, which is our sustenance, especially in this hour, because it's hard to find a pure word, which is none other than Jesus Christ, John six thirty five. I am the bread of life. He that cometh to me shall never hunger, and he that believeth on me shall never thirst. So he's the bread to feed the hungry. He's the water to quench the spiritually thirst. Amen. Well, our discussion today is the pre-wrath warning. Folks, God is going to pour out his wrath. We are at the door of judgment in the land. Pastor Langford, never in the history of the world have we seen the kind of acceleration taking place of just pure evil. There's things going on that just defy all reasoning, just a cesspool of debauchery, evil, and lies. Such a proliferation of lies. If it's not Hillary Clinton lying through her teeth about everything from her email to her agenda, it's the media. Putin's dead. He's not dead. We're going to war. We're not going to war. You can't get the truth anywhere. What do you make of all this? This is why God has been so gracious to us, Sheila, that he's given us two powerful implements in the life of the believer. Number one, he's given us the word of God. He said, I'm not going to leave you comfortless. I'm not going to leave you as orphans. I'm going to leave with you the baptism in the Holy Ghost. 1 Corinthians 14 and 10, Paul said, There are, and it may be so many kinds of voices in the world, and none of them is without signification. In other words, everything that you and I hear has a significance in our auditory system, which leads into our spiritual hearing. Revelation 2, 7, He that hath an ear to hear, let him hear what the Spirit of the Lord hath to say. And regretfully... Too many people are listening to these other voices. And Jesus, of course, said, My sheep know my voice. 
but regretfully, we're listening to the wrong voices. We're spending too much time. The Lord has put it on my heart. You need to find and spend more quality time in prayer. And I'm not talking about riding down the road while you're fighting drivers and demon-possessed people driving cars and trying to pray. You need to get along with God in the closet, shut the door, shut the world out, and cry out to God and hear what God has to say to us. And people aren't doing that, regretfully. But we've got to sequester ourselves and get along with God because, you see, you, you just gave a litany of voices and none of them is without significance. And so that's the danger. Who are you listening to? Who are you hearing? What are you hearing? What are you listening to? And so just like yesterday, I sent my family to church, and I, I couldn't wait for them to get out of the house. Uh, the Spirit of God was on me from the time I got up out of the bed, and I just wanted to commune with God, and I just fell on my face for over an hour and just, just cried out to God, and this Lord just poured into me and you know, we're, we're at a tipping point, Sheila. There was a, a defining moment last week when Benjamin Netanyahu went to the Wailing Wall. I've been there myself. I've prayed there myself. And it was the week of Purim. He came over here to America. He was a type of Mordecai. The United States Senate and Congress was a type of Esther. He made an appeal, and Obama typifies Haman. And, of course, the king typifies the king of glory. And of course, he killed Haman because he made a decree to kill all the Jews. So Benjamin Netanyahu came over here and made an appeal. He went to the Western Wall and he prayed. He prayed to the true and the living God. Allah does not exist. That's a forest. It's not real. So who is God going to answer? My only concern is the scriptures have to be fulfilled. And for the scriptures to be fulfilled, there's got to be judgment. Joel 3, verse 2, I will also gather all nations and will bring them down into the valley of Jehoshaphat or Megiddo or the battle of Armageddon, and that will plead with them there for my people and for my heritage Israel, whom they have scattered among the nations and parted my land. Now, Benjamin Netanyahu has made it very clear he will not allow, tolerate, or suffer a Palestinian state. I don't know this other man, but I would almost guarantee you if Benjamin Netanyahu loses the election, this other man will be willing to divide Jerusalem. And if you remember at the Annapolis meeting in Maryland under the Bush administration on one of the Middle East agreements, he said he would table the dividing of Jerusalem up to the next president. Well, Obama is the type of Ishmael. He's the wrong seed. He's the seed of fornication. Abraham slept with Hagar. Sarah was his wife, so he's the seed of fornication. And that's why people listening tonight need to be very careful when you start castigating Israel. There's the Israel of God, and there's the Israel that is not of God. In John chapter 8, the Pharisees said, We be Abraham's seed. Jesus said, I know you're Abraham's seed, but you're of your father the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. They were the seed of fornication. God's people are not seed of fornication. We are a spouse to Christ through his sacrifice at the cross, and we are espoused to the Father through Jesus Christ. And so I've not gotten into it, but I'm in the very near future going to really give an, an exegesis on the ninth chapter of Romans 
because you've got to be of the right seed, the promised seed. You see, Esau was not the promised seed. Jacob was, though they were both in the same womb of Rebekah. Ishmael was not the promised seed. Isaac was. And the people of God need to understand there is the righteous seed, there's the unrighteous seed. In Genesis 3.15, I'll put enmity between thee and the woman, between thy seed and her seed. It shall bruise thy head, and thou shalt bruise his heel. So, you, you know, I want every listener... You, you need to pray that you're of the seed of Abraham. Galatians 3, 9, if ye are Christ, then are ye Abraham's seed. you just got to understand there's the good seed, there's the evil seed. And so I'm just praying that people will understand that this is a very tipping point. And it was but no happenstance that Benjamin Netanyahu came over here the week of Purim. You know, and those gallows that Haman built to hang the Jews on, King Ahasuerus, hung him and his ten sons. And there are ten tribes there in Psalms chapter 83 that are going to come against Israel. So it'll be interesting to see what unfolds. So I prayed uh, yesterday on my program before I closed that God would move. As I said, if, if Benjamin Netanyahu goes back in, another term, we'll have a, an extended period of, of some type of peace. If not, all bets are off, and don't be surprised if we don't enter into a third world war. That's just it. There's so many things on the horizon facing us. And you mentioned the lust of their father. The Bible talks about their father is the devil, the father of lies. I often wonder, Pastor Langford, with all this stuff going on, this ubiquitous plethora of evil and acceleration of lies, can we intercede for the nation? Because one of the things you talked about on a recent show, you touched on an article in the New York Times where Alabama Judge Roy S. Moore of Alabama, he refused to take down the Ten Commandments. He was standing up for marriage between a man and a woman. He was coming against this, the same-sex marriage, as people call it, which is just ridiculous. But in Genesis, we see that Abraham interceded. He did intercessory prayer for Lot can we intercede for this nation? Because I really believe we are just right on the cusp of judgment. Here's the key to Abraham's intercessory prayer. And uh, Brother Henry Groover, bless his heart, God had given me a revelation there. And he said, can I use that? And I said, Henry, it's just a revelation. The Word of God is the Word of God. But if you'll go back to the negotiation, when Abraham was negotiating with God in Genesis chapter 18, Abraham said, Will thou destroy the righteous with the wicked? Peradventure there be fifty righteous within the city. Wilt thou also destroy and not spare the place for the fifty righteous that are therein? And the key word there is spare the place. He wasn't asking God to spare the cities. He was asking God to spare the place where there would be a conclave of fifty people. God's response was, if I find in Sodom 50 righteous within the city, then I will spare all the place for their sakes. God is so just, Sheila. He said, Abraham, if there's 50 righteous within the city, I will spare all the place, the entirety of Sodom and Gomorrah, because of their sakes. And, of course, we know he went 50, 40, 30, 20. He got all the way down to 10. And the reason God was so able to say, I will spare all of it, he knew they weren't there. 
So he already knew the outcome. But because of covenant with Abraham, Lot was his nephew, and he was raising his brother's son. And because of that intercessory prayer, the angels said to Lot and his wife and two daughters, we cannot destroy the place till you get out of here. It was because of Abraham's righteousness. Even though Peter says that Lot's righteous soul was vexed daily, I don't understand that. I'd be lying if I said I did. Because how can a righteous man offer his two virgin daughters to an angry mob of sodomites? But nevertheless, the scriptures through Peter the apostle called him a righteous man. And therefore, we understand that God is the one who determines righteousness and not you or I. But the point is, had there been 50, 30, 20, 10, God would have spared the cities, but they weren't there. But he was just saying, God, will you spare this little, this little room where Sheila Zelensky is and her prayer warriors? And God said, if they're there, I'll spare the whole place. But they did not exist. And so I believe we're at a point now where the nation is not going to be saved. But God is going to spare the people of God. We're not appointed unto the wrath. Now, peril, danger, toil, troubles, things like that, we're going to be subject to that because it rains on the just and the unjust. In Romans chapter 5, verse 9, much more than being now justified by his blood, we shall be saved from wrath through him. So the blood applied to our hearts saves us from the wrath. But you know, the tornadoes and things come, and good people suffer because the devil is the prince and the power of the air. So we've got to understand, it's not so much that God is going to, he will vent his wrath. We know the seven vials, but God removes his hand. So Satan then is able to do what he wills, and he wills to steal, to kill, and to destroy. God doesn't have to do anything. Just take off the covering, the protection from this nation, and we're vulnerable. Psalms 127.1, except the Lord build the city, they that labor build it in vain. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh but in vain. So, you know, God don't have to do anything but say, okay, I'm pulling my hand back. And we are so vulnerable. And that's why... And I know people get angry with me, and that's all right. Uh, I know the Bible, and uh, there are people over there in Israel that are not Jews, and there are those over there that are God's people. So that's why you have to be careful in becoming anti-Semitic. It's, it's like, you know, knowing if a person is saved or not saved. So well, you're going to hell. Well, you don't know that. They might repent before they die. So God's the ultimate judge. So we have to be careful in becoming anti-Semitic and castigating because we don't know. I mean, like, like I said, if you look at Rebecca, in her womb, before either child was born, Esau have I hated, Jacob have I loved. So that's why I have the fear of God in dealing with Israel. I do what Psalms 122.6 says, pray for the peace of Jerusalem. If you, if you believe the word of God, you'll do that. We're at such a tipping point. We're at such a dangerous point. It's unbelievable. And the church, regretfully, is anemic, asleep. These, these hirelings, these prostitutes for, for call themselves ministers. Uh, somebody sent me an email that Creflo Dollar was asking 200,000 people to send him $300 to buy a $60 million jet. That is correct. It's right on his website. I mean, what is going on? Why are they not preaching repentance? Why are they not preaching the coming judgment of God? You know, not, not getting ready for hallelujah, good time. We're getting ready for a time of sorrow. The Bible says these are the beginning of sorrows, and that's followed by great tribulation. But they've refused to preach it. It grieves my spirit to no end. 
Well, it is ridiculous. I mean, if you can imagine, he's already got a plane, and now he needs a 60 mil. I mean, it is so absolutely unbelievable that these so-called pastors, and you can line them all up that are preaching the prosperity message. The Bible in Romans 8, 5, Pastor Langford, talks about carnal mindedness cannot please God. And I like what you were teaching on Genesis 19.1. Lot sitting in the gate at Sodom. Lot was carnally minded, wasn't he? And he pitched his tent towards Sodom. He made a choice and he really sat in the seat of the scornful, didn't he? Because that's really what we're looking at is moral demise. It's a good example of it. Let's talk about Abraham's faith. The Lord showed me, and the land is not able to bear them. And the Lord spoke to my heart, said, This nation cannot continue to bear its sins. There's going to be a breach. There's going to be a tear. So Abraham and Lot, of course, had to separate. Here's what's key. Abraham said, Lot, you take the left, I'll take the right. You take the right, I'll take the left. You see, when you're in God's hand, it doesn't matter whether you're upside down Left, right, in, out. God's going to take care of you, you see. Because Abraham was walking with God. And so be careful where you pitch your tent. He pitched his tent toward the wrong place. And that's what got him an ultimate destruction. And, of course, he compromised profusely. And so it is with the believer. We don't have to worry left or right or backwards, forwards. If you're God's child... God will take care of you because, see, Abraham's relationship was so tantamount with God, it didn't matter which part of the land he took. He knew that God would bless him. I'm not worried about where I'm going to be or what I'm going to do. God will take care of me. I am his servant. You're his servant. I did not ask God to be a preacher. I did not get on my knees at 12 years of age and say, hey, I want to be a preacher. That was God's election. That's God's choice. Many are called. Few are chosen. God has an, He's going to have an elected group. Second Peter one ten. Wherefore the rather brethren give diligence and make your calling and election sure. For if you do these things, you shall never fail. When you make your calling and election sure, Peter said you'll never fail. See, now what you won't fall from the grace. You won't fall into sin. You won't fall by the wayside because the seed, the word of God, cannot take root in your heart because it's it's stony. You've got depth in your heart. You've got depth in your spirit. As I was praying yesterday, I said, Lord, I know I, David Lamford, cannot edify you, but I pray my prayer will be a sweet-smelling Savior into your nostrils, and you will embrace my prayer because he resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. And, And so as I get older, I realize humility it's so important, you know, and humility is not a sign of weakness. Meekness is not weakness. Humility is not weakness. Humility is saying, hey, I know who's in control. I know who steers the currents. I know who causes the sun to rise and the sun to set. I know that, and it's not me, and it's not Al Gore. It's God Almighty. So if we could be more humble, uh, Psalms 9 and 12, David said, he forgetteth not the cry of the humble. When humble people cry, God's going to respond. Why? James 4, 6, wherefore he said, God resisteth the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. You want more grace? Be more humble. And don't let nobody judge your humility. God looks on the heart. You know, we may feign humility on the outside, but on the inside we're arrogant and bigoted and think we know everything. But see, God knows that on the inside of a man. So you can feign humility on the outside, 
but on the inside, just still be full of dead men's bones and full of pride. So I'm encouraging people. God will embrace humility. And buddy, do we need grace today? We need it more than ever before, Sheila. Is that really humility, though? Because you touched on it. Humility is key. Is that really humble when these guys are asking for planes, trains, automobiles? That's covetousness. That's it's greed. That's, that, that's sin. That's lust. That's lust. That's greed. Well, and it's all, all about these men, because a true ministry is preaching the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. Why don't these guys preach the cross of Christ, the power of the Holy Ghost, setting people free? Joel Osteen wants to talk about seven steps to a better you. It's not about any kind of steps. There are no steps to a better person without the blood of the Lamb. That's exactly right. My brother, he, he called me last night. We were talking. Everything is about Christ. All we are are a spoon and a knife and a fork. We're implements, we're tools for God. When I, Abraham was taking Isaac in Genesis 22 to sacrifice him, Isaac said, Father, here's the wood, here's the fire. Where's the sacrifice? Abraham said, God will provide himself a sacrifice. He didn't say me or you, Isaac. He said, God will provide himself so it's all about him. And so Romans eight twenty eight, and we know that all things work together for the good to them that love God, to them who are the called according to his purpose. It's, it's his purpose. It's his will. It's his intent. It's whatever he wants. That's all that matters. And Joel Osteen says, seven steps to a better you. That's humanism. That phrase is the personification of humanism. It ought to be seven steps in magnifying the Lord. Not a better you. You are you are worthless. We're all worthless without Christ. But see what they're doing. They're subtly talking about you, you, me, me. That's not what it's about. And this is why people don't know the voice of God because it's all about, as you said from Romans eight, it's about being spiritually minded. And to be spiritually minded is to not be about me. To be spiritually minded is to be about Christ. Jesus, when his mother and father came back. In Luke chapter 2, they missed him after a day. They said, the son, we were troubled. He said, wished you not that I must be about my father's business? You see, he was already demonstrating, this is, this is all about the Lord's work. It ain't about you or me. It's about the Lord's work. Even Jesus and his humanity, if at all possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but thine be done. Even, even the humanity of Christ said, if there's another way, Let's do this. But if there's not, then your will be done. And he knew. He knew. But that's just showing the humanity of him. But the God part of him said, I'm going to the cross. I'll not be deterred. Exactly. And, and it's, just, it's just sad, Sheila. It's just sad. I've got a lot of emails because I, I was talking about this Creflo Dollar Jet. And the guy says, you know, what is your problem, Sheila? Why are you coming? Again? So what? Joel Osteen's loaded. So what? He uplifts people. So what? Creflo Dollar has a new jet. What's your problem with that? There's all these globalists that have new jets and new things. And besides, the Bible says God wants to bless us. What is your problem hammering away on Creflo Dollar, Joel Osteen, all these mega bucks preachers? But they're missing the key point, aren't they? When we are talking about the pure, unadulterated Word of God, these men, when you preach the pure Word of God, it strips people and makes them free. I don't see that happening with these congregations. I see people leaving there, just naming it and claiming it and talking about houses and cars. They're not talking about winning souls. 
remember what Jesus said, Mark 8, 36, 37. What should it profit a man if he should gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his own soul? Now, here, here's what Paul the Apostle, he tells us that these men, I'm going to say it clearly, these men have corrupt minds. I'm going to prove it to you by the Word of God. 1 Timothy chapter 6, verse 3. If any man teach otherwise, I consent not to the wholesome words, even the words of our Lord Jesus Christ, and to the doctrine which is according to godliness, he is proud, nothing but doting about questions and strifes of words, whereof cometh envy, strife, railings, evil surmisings, perverse disputings of men of corrupt minds, and destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, from such withdraw thyself. But godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into this world, and it is certain we can carry nothing out. And having food and raiment, let us be therewith content. But they that will be rich fall into temptation and a snare, and into many foolish and hurtful lusts which drown men in destruction and perdition. For the love of money is the root of all evil, which while some have coveted after they have erred or been seduced from the faith and pierced themselves through with many sorrows. Now, will you ever hear Creflo Dollar, Joy Osteen, Jerry Savelle, his other buddy, Kenneth Copeland, Jesse Duplantis, you will never hear those men preach 1 Timothy 6. Never. Never. Because you see, Paul said they're perverse they have corrupt minds, destitute of the truth. In other words, they don't have the truth. Supposing that gain is godliness from with such, withdraw thyself. Get away from these guys. Withdraw thyself from these people. See, Paul, God already knew this would be the, the prosperity message would be one of the false doctrines in the end. So the word of God already makes it clear. Having food and raiment, be content. You see, and I'll admit this, I've never had poor, destitute, broken people to be able to bless the ministry. They had to have some wherewithal to bless the ministry, to bless you, to help us pay the bills, to be on the radio, to do the newsletter, whatever the things that we do, the postage and stuff. But that's not the message. The message is Jesus. I challenge anyone to go back and listen to 500 of my radio programs and get them a pen and paper and write down the times I've asked for money. Anybody. You see, because that's not the message. The message is Jesus. That shows you these men are charlatans in heart. See, that shows you the difference. And I'm telling you, every time I read the word many in the scriptures, it's in a negative connotation. Many false prophets, many false Christ. Many shall come in my name, saying, I am Christ, and shall deceive many. We are not as many which corrupt the word of God. Many is always in a negative light. So, you know, whether it's many dollars, many church buildings, or whatever jets, it's never in a positive light for most part. And then if he said, straight is the gate, now is the way that leads unto life. And few there be that find it because wide is the gate, broad is the way that leads to destruction, and many there be which go in there. So it's, when it's always many, it's in a negative light. And that's what scares me. But see, just like tonight, I've given more scripture than Creflo Dollar's going to preach in a, in, a, in a year, and he'll never preach 
those kind of verses I'm, I'm preaching tonight or teaching tonight, because those are contrary to what he's preaching. That's that other gospel. That's that perverted gospel. That's that corrupt gospel. And of course, they won't preach it. Well, when people say, and I get this so much, we can't judge other ministers. We shouldn't judge gay people. We shouldn't judge this and that. I mean, we hear that a lot. We're under grace. We shouldn't judge, judge, judge. But they don't really have a good understanding of the word judge, do they? Let me just give you the Bible. Just forget what I think. Matthew 12 and 33. Either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt, for the tree is known by its fruit. Now, who's he telling that to? You and me. You either make the tree good and its fruit good, or you make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. That's what he tells me to do. So I have the ability to look at a tree and say, that's a pear tree, but look at that fruit on it. It's rotten. Look at that apple tree. The, the worms has done God in it. He says, you make the tree good and its fruit good, or else you make the tree corrupt and its fruit corrupt. He's telling you and me to do that. See, now, we don't judge them to heaven or hell. We judge whether it's corrupt or good. That's all we have the ability to judge. See, I don't, I don't judge anyone to heaven or hell. As I said, they could get saved before they die. But I can sure look at a man that's out here committing adultery and say, you're an adulterer, sir. I know you're married sleeping with another man's wife. If I'm standing on the street and I see a guy walk up to another guy shooting with a gun, I say, you're a murderer. Am I judging him? Well, sure I'm judging him. I just watched him murder a man. Why can't? And then I go to court. They want me to tell the truth. They want me to, to adjudicate the matter. See, I'm so tired of that. You can't judge. First John 4, 1 says, Beloved, believe not every spirit, but try the spirit. Look at the word tried there in the Greek. It means put it under a trial. Put it under a test. See whether it's any good or not. And that's all we're doing, see? And how do I test it? I test it by the Word of God. So when I see the Scripture says these men are destitute of the truth, supposing that gain is godliness, that's what Paul said. They would tell you that gain is godliness. He said they're corrupt. Was Lazarus a rich man? No. Poor. The dogs licked his sores. What happened to the rich man? He went to hell. You see, there's no balance anymore. Get, oh, I get lambasted all the time. But you know what? I don't care because I'm telling the truth. I'm telling the truth. Lazarus, the dogs moreover came and licked the man's sores. But when he died, he went to heaven and was in paradise. And he told the rich man in hell, remember when you were comforted and he was tormented? Now you're tormented and he's comforted. Well, measure 80 years to eternity. Look at the swap off. I'd rather have sores and be beleaguered and bewildered and die and make it to heaven than have a $60 million jet airplane and go to hell. That's what's going to happen. And people will say, that's just too hard. No, it's the truth, and they don't like the truth. I get Just like Hillary Clinton. Gone amok, corrupt in Washington, secret emails, cronies. She's one of them. Well, I don't think a lot of people realize Hillary Clinton did her thesis on Saul Alinsky. It's a total playbook that's happening in America. And he dedicated his book to Satan. People can actually look that up and go get the book. He dedicates his book to Satan. That's who Hillary Clinton is an admirer of. Because 2 Corinthians 4, 4, in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds of them which believe not. She is not a believer. So therefore, Satan has the ability to blind her the light cannot shine unto them because they are blinded by the devil in whom the God of this world hath blinded the minds. You see, it's not the eyesight. 
It's the mindset. You, right. you said earlier, Romans 8, 5, for to be carnally minded is dead. To be carnally minded is, it means to be blinded, see? And, and this is the problem. And, and so here's, the, here's what's so sad. I'm 60 years old now. I look at her. She's pushing 70. We have just a handful of years left, and she's going to go out into eternity and she's going to go out lost without God unless she repents and gets right, quits lying. See, we know they lie because we catch them in lies every day. See, and all liars, Revelation 21, all liars shall have their part in the lake of fire. So when you see your president, you see your senator, your congresspeople lie, you know where they're going unless they repent. That's not being judgmental. The Word of God says they're going to hell if they're lying. Well, and when we say that, these legalists accuse us of damning souls and dooming souls. We're told we need to preach a more palatable message. We're, you know, yeah. we're ludicrous, we're nonsensical, but most of all, we're dooming and damning souls when we say that. You know what? I'm not damning anybody. They're damning their own selves. And because they refuse to believe the truth, God will send them a strong delusion that they all might be damned who believe not the truth. That's the problem with these so-called wimpy Christians. They better wake up. Second Thessalonians 2, 11, 12, For this cause God shall send them strong delusion, that they should believe a lie, that they all might be damned who believe not the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. The church world better wake up. You better get out of these whorish harlot churches and go where somebody's preaching the pure word of God. I want to be blistered. I want to be cleansed. I want to be bathed in two things, the word of God and the Holy Ghost. I want to be pure. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. If your heart's not pure, you're not going to see God. We're all fallible. I'm not preaching sinless perfection here. I'm preaching striving to contend for the faith. These people aren't contending for the faith. Listen, look at the early church. I mean, these people suffered profusely. Acts chapter 12, they just beheaded James. Herod sees it pleases the people. They're getting ready to behead Peter. Had the church not prayed and God got him out of prison that night. They glory in killing the Christians. Look at, look at what's going on. What religion is under attack today? What religion is under attack today? You are not allowed to say Jesus in anything. Look at the little girl that she brought her Bible to school and now she's kicked out of school. Here's what's pathetic. The so-called Christians are blind. They can't see. They can't see because they're not seeking God. I'm telling you, people better lay down everything and pick up their cross daily and start following Jesus Christ. It's time to quit playing church. I'm old school. I don't care who knows it. I don't care. It doesn't matter to me. I, I have everything in this world to lose and nothing to gain by compromising the message. I was called to preach when I was 12 years old, 48 years ago as a child. God came to me in a vision. And I've determined, yes, I backslid as a teenager, got away from God and everything else. But I came back to God, and, 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 and ever since I uh, gave my heart back to the Lord, God has burned his word in my spirit. It's like Jeremiah 20, verse 9, but his word was like burning fire shut up in my bones. See, you know how a man tell me today, he said, you know what? I'm not around you a minute, and you start talking about the Word of God. He said, it's like, if I want to talk about cars, you're going to get me to talk about the Word of God. I want to talk about a house, you want to talk about the Word of God. He said, you make me want to talk about the Word, because that's all you're going to talk about. And I don't realize I do that, but it's in me. And whatever's in you is coming out of you.
Amen. Well, I'm glad it is in you. But that's the thing is we're so lacking with that kind of person in the pulpit because it's a sickening apathy and complacency in the Western church today. You just mentioned all the wickedness, the beheadings, the persecutions, and yet that sickening apathy and complacency in the Western church is unbelievable. It's This nation can no longer bear the wickedness, the cheating, the lying, the sodomy, the embezzlement. The land is so absolutely, well, God's trying to send us a message. I really do believe that. But the churches nowadays are too busy with, well, let's just dwell together. Let's cohabitate with each other. Look at this bumper sticker. I was in everywhere in the United States and Canada, this bumper sticker coexist. It's got nice little demonic symbology on it. The devil just wants us to put aside all our differences and compromise and coexist. Why not just have one religion where we can find some compromise? That's what Rick Warren wants. That's what the Catholic Church wants. That's what these evangelicals like Kenneth Copeland want to merge religions. Let's coexist. But the Bible talks about not being yoked with those kind of people, doesn't it? Absolutely. First Corinthians ten twenty twenty one. I would not that you should have fellowship with devils. You cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? See if you can fight God and win. You can't. You can't. I told my son yesterday. I said, son, we serve a big God. He looked at me kind of funny because he's, he's 25. And I, I, I preach to my kids, too. I, I hammer them because I, I want them to make it. I'm jealous over my kids. I want them to make it. I said, I said a young lad borrowed a, an axe from a man. And while he was chopping wood, the handle broke and the, the axe had flew off and went into a pond. He said, oh, my God, what am I going to do? I can't take the axe back. And the prophet of God went over and he stirred the water. The axe head floated to the top. I said, that's like a boat anchor floating to the top. I said, that's how big God is. He can do anything. And we're playing around here like he's some, I hear it all the time, the big guy upstairs. I, I'm so sick of that and disrespect for God. See, the Holy Spirit reveals to us how insignificant, how minuscule that we are. And we don't like that because we, we want to think, well, we're, we're big guys. You know, they, they, you know Obama, he, he knows it all. Let me tell you, he said, you know what Obama is? He's a turtle sitting on a fence post. Somebody put him there, but you'd never get him to believe that. No. It's amazing to me. No one ever wants to talk about the wrath, the judgment, the damnation, and the separation of God. They want to talk about, you know, Jesus is a guy that's got you on his knee. It's a little lamb, the God of mercy, love, and grace. That's Jesus. Don't want to talk about the other one. Listen, Jesus, see, that's why he came as a lamb. And then we read in Revelation, he's the lion of the tribe of Judah. And when he returns, he says in Revelation 19, he will rule with a rod of iron. All of you men listening out there tonight, you know what a piece of rebar is. Take an 18-inch piece of rebar and walk into a china shop and see what kind of damage you can do in an hour. That's how he says he will rule with a rod of iron and he will tread the winepress, the fierceness and wrath of God Almighty. Let me tell you, you can't think about contending with the God of that magnitude. And that's what he's going to be when he comes back. And yet people don't want, oh, he's just a little little puppy loving Jesus. He's so sweet. Go back and read the 23rd chapter of Matthew if you want to see how hard he can be. You generation of viper, you hypocrites, 
you, you Pharisees, you blind scribes. Oh, we don't want to preach that. We, we don't preach that. Love Jesus. See, they don't want to rightly divide the word of God. See? And so, you know, he just, all through there, he said, Whoa, you scribes, you Pharisees, you hypocrites. I mean, just over and over and over and over. You know, these guys will say, We want you to will your home to this ministry. It's all in the scriptures. But yet, see, preachers don't preach the whole counsel of God. There's people out there that obviously gave scripture, not that even though the scriptures were there. Because, number one, they don't read their Bible. I can't teach the whole Bible, neither can you. We don't have the time to go from Genesis 1 and 1 to Revelation 22 and 21. We just, we, we just can't do it. It's just too much. So we preach as we are unctionized by the Holy Ghost. I preach what God lays on my heart. When I first started preaching, I was worried about having enough sermons. Now I'm saying, God, what is the message? What do I need to say tonight? What do I need to say when I go to the pulpit? What do the people need to hear? I don't sermonize. See, you can go to a bookstore, a Christian bookstore, a pastor can today, he can find three sermons a week, 52 weeks out of the year. People say, ask me, where do you get your sermons at? I said, I get them from the Bible. That's where I get them. <laughs> you know, I get unctioned to, to, to put thoughts and scriptures together and preach. And there's a contiguous theme in the message. Why? Because it's from the same book, from the same author, ordained and anointed by the same Holy Ghost. That's what's amazing. I shared yesterday on my radio program, I was going down the road Sunday. My wife and I, we had to run to Charlotte. Traditional service, 9.30. Contemporary service, 11 o'clock. Is God traditional or is God contemporary? You see, we, we, we're, we're making God what we want him to be. See, so because we want to cater to this faction, we're going to have this service at this time. And because of this faction, we're going to have this service at this time. Well, I thought we were all serving the same God, but why do we put all these labels and stuff? It's like Christian rock music. Well, just because you put Christian in front of it doesn't make it godly. Right. That's a piece. What does that even mean? One, I guess it's more of the Bible at the night service and no Bible. I mean, Pastor Langford, I sat through a whole church service recently without one scripture, an almost two-hour service without one scripture ever being even mentioned. There wasn't a scripture. The Bible wasn't even cracked. Yeah, yeah that's true. You see, that's why we're in the state we're in. This nation, the founding fathers, the colleges, Yale, Harvard, Princeton, these colleges were first birthed to train men of God to learn to preach and to carry the gospel. They left Europe. Uh, they left under the tyranny, freedom of religion. And when we say freedom of religion, it was freedom to worship the Lord Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. And we've gotten so removed from that. And, and so now... It's like the Lord showed Dimitri Dudman. Why is America Babylon? Babel. Because we've allowed all these people to come into this nation and bring their Hindu, their false gods, their false religions, and we are made to honor them and to recognize them, and then we crush and we criticize, we castigate, we demean, we impinge Christianity. See? So, it's all about a little compromise here, accept this group, take these guys in, coexist. We are to be separated from the world, aren't we? Just think of the phrase, Krizlov. Can somebody give me Bible for that? I can't give you any Bible for that. Yeah, but Rick Warren says it's, it's, you know, it's, it's what we're supposed to do. You know, TBN embraces Krizlov. So that's like trying to say Christful, you know, Christ and the devil. You, you can't do that. You see, it, it, it's, you're either in or you're out. 
You're either on or you're off. You There's know, a new like word a that Rick Warren would like, crevel. It's Christ and the devil. Yeah, it's so yeah, crevel. Yeah, that's good. See, but you, but you see, you come to that point and that state because of compromise. You see, I refuse to compromise. Now, how much trouble it will get me in in the end, there's no telling. But God has always had somebody. They put Joseph in prison. Jeremiah was put in prison. Paul was put in prison. Peter was put in prison. These men are for sale. The, if the, all, look at the righteous men in the scriptures that went to prison. It wasn't because they were robbing banks and shaking people down and bezzling money. They stood for Christ. John the Baptist was beheaded because he told Herod, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. And so Salome, when Herod said to Salome's daughter, can have anything half of my kingdom, her mama said, get John the Baptist's head. See, because he was preaching that they were living in sin, and so it, it cost him his life. That's what I've come to understand. I don't know what will happen to me in the end. I may very well lose my life for the gospel's sake. I don't know. I think God will make that determination when I understand the last few verses in the 11th chapter of Hebrews. There are some that were sawn asunder and some were delivered. Daniel was put in a, a den of lions, but God delivered him. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego were put in the fire furnace, but God delivered them. So the God will make that determination. God will make that decision. But I will tell you, the people that stand for God, either way, they get deliverance. Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Sure, nobody wants to suffer a cruel, heinous death. But when we die, Jesus said, after you die, there's nothing left they can do to you. And so Peter, before Pentecost, is cursing and swearing. He doesn't know Jesus. At the time of his death, history, I did a research years ago. They brought Peter's wife by his prison window. They were going to kill her. And they brought her by his window on purpose to intimidate him. And history says he spoke through the window. and He said, only remember thou the Lord. Don't remember me. Don't think about the children. Remember the Lord Jesus Christ. And then when it comes time to, hang, to crucify Peter, he said, hang me upside down. I'm not worthy to be crucified like my Lord. What a difference. What a man of God that just prior to Pentecost, was cursing and swearing and denying the Lord Jesus. But Jesus had warned him in Luke twenty-two thirty-one. 31. He said, Simon Peter, Satan hath desired to have you, that he might sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee, that thy faith fail not. When thou art converted, strengthen the brethren. What you and I are doing tonight, Sheila, we're trying to strengthen the brethren and the sisters. We're trying to give strength. We're trying to give aid. And how do we do that? By preaching the pure word of God. It edifies. It uplifts. Yeah, it might be hard, but if I go to a doctor, I don't want the doctor to examine me, and I've got something wrong. He says, oh, there's nothing wrong. Go home and take two aspirin, but uh, uh, pay the, the lady up front $300 when you walk out the door. Hey, tell me the truth. Please tell me the truth about my physical condition. Don't manipulate me. Don't deceive me. Don't take my money. Try to cure me. See, these preachers aren't interested in curing people's souls. The cure is in the Word of God. The cure is in the manifestation of the Holy Ghost. The woman that just touched the hem of his garment was made whole. That's how much power is in Jesus well, there's we power, yeah, there's power in Jesus, but how distorted the scriptures become really does water down, because now they're just nice stories. In fact, I had a 
pastor one time tell me, well, no, that didn't really happen, and Daniel didn't really get... It's metaphoric. Hell is metaphoric. <laughs> they see, that man's going to stand before God, having taken away from the Word. See, we're warned, don't add to, don't take away from it. But see, because he don't want to believe that, he's going to pollute it. He's going to defile the Holy Scriptures. See? Well, and people wouldn't put up with that if they weren't so spiritually anemic, because there is a famine in the land for the Word of God. And I think that, you know, I look at these Osteenian churches and these people that are packing out these mega churches. And Pastor Langford, these guys wouldn't have a church if it wasn't for the people that have itching ears. You wouldn't fill a Joel Osteen Lakewood church if the people didn't want to hear it. See, that's the problem. It's like vanilla or chocolate or peanut butter, pecan, ice cream. We want to find something that we like. Well, the gospel is not made to be palatable. The gospel is given to redeem, to set free, to straighten, to make crooked people straight. But see, they won't preach that. I've gotten more emails in the last year of homosexual men telling me, I realized you did not hate me. You were just telling me the truth. Two weeks ago, a young man gave his heart to the Lord. He repented. He was from New Jersey. He was a homosexual. The devil started beating him up emotionally, mentally. God hadn't forgiven you. You're not this. You're not that. Well, that Wednesday night following, I was to be on the Hagman and Hagman program. The Lord spoke to my heart and told me to read that young man's email on the program. Well, what happened was two hours had passed, and I had not yet read that man's email. But that young man said he was praying, pleading with God, show me, prove yourself to me. And he said, the Lord spoke to his heart and said, tonight, Pastor Langford will read your email on the air. I'm going to prove to you, you are forgiven and I love you. We did the first two hours, but on the third hours we began, I said, Joe and Doug, I feel I need to read this email. And when I read that email, that young man said he liked to jump out of his own flesh because it was a confirmation that yeah. God had forgiven him and God had restored him and God had heard him. He said, because the pastor life will read your email. Well, he, could, he said, I couldn't believe that God would do that for me. I said, that is a witness to you now for the next 50 years. If God never answered another prayer, that one prayer should be enough to sustain you. That one event that God, because you see, there were three hours. So the first hour passed, no email reading. Two hours passed, no email reading, and they were sitting here on my desk. And I said, I need to share this tonight because the Holy Ghost was constraining me. Why? To show that young man, I love you, sir. And I'm getting more and more emails from men coming out of homosexuality saying, it's all because you're preaching the truth and I see that you love me. I'm looking beyond just the words that you're saying. I'm trying to listen to the Holy Spirit. And when I listen to the voice of the Spirit, I realize you're trying to save me. You're trying to reach me. You're not trying to put me down. And I'm not. But I can't afford to compromise. You may not like my deliverance. You may not like my method, uh, my boisterousness at times. But it's not to hurt. It's to be pointed. You know, there's times I snap my finger when my kids will say, you do that again, I'm going to bust your tail. You hear me? Well, it ain't because I hate them. It's because I love them. I cracked the whip. I don't want to see them do that again because they're going to get hurt. Something bad will happen. And as a parent, you warn and you warn. But the time comes, you have to pull the old belt out and say, okay, I told you. Well, whom the Lord loves, he chastens. He whips us. Why? He loves us. 
He loves us. He'll use a message like tonight to whip us. Why? He loves us. He wants us to make it. He don't want to lose us. He's jealous over us. He died for us. He has an affection for all of us. And I want him to whip me if I need a whipping. I want to make it. I don't want to be lost. Well, the anointing power of the Holy Ghost has conviction in it, doesn't it? Absolutely. I mean, I don't care how saintly and godly you are. The Holy Ghost is so powerful, he can still smite your heart. If you're the most saintly, godly person, he'll still smite your heart. Why? He's just trying to get you to move up another level. We can, you know, Paul said, from glory to glory to glory. We're, we're to keep on improving. Peter said in 1 Peter 3.18, grow in grace and in knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We're all to keep growing. Paul's about to be beheaded in 2 Timothy chapter 4. And what does he tell Timothy? Bring the parchments. Bring the par- And now bring John Mark. He's profitable to me. The man's about to die, but he still wanted to read the parchments because he's still on this side of eternity, and he wanted to know more about the unsearchable riches of Christ. And we've lost that hunger for God. Well, we've not only lost our hunger for God, we've lost our trust in God. We've got to put our trust in God, not the land. And you talk about in your service last week, you did a message on where you'll pitch your tent. The land cannot bear this. I mean, without repentance, it's impossible. We are in the days of Lot and Abraham, like you said. He said, is there ten righteous you will spare, Lord? The countdown's here, isn't it? Judgment is coming. And folks, you have a choice, but Jesus paid an untold price. People are abusing the blood of Jesus, aren't they, Pastor? Yes, and, and I, I'm looking for something to happen this fall. This We're in that seven-year cycle, 2001, 2008. This is 2015. It was in 1998 when God began to show me this was going to be a fall scenario. I got a series. I do DVDs, CDs uh, on, on the fall events because it's a fall scenario. Babylon was destroyed October the 12th, 539 B.C. in Daniel chapter 5. And so we've been watching September the 11th, September the 25th or 20th, whenever it was, the stock market crashed. I believe it will be September, October this year, another event. I'm glad I'm on the inside. (laughs) I'll tell you that. Amen. Because if we're in the days of Lot and judgment's coming, we have to be able to, we have to get right with God. And I think it's so imperative that repentance is, I mean, if you're about Excellent tonight, folks. Get on your knees and repent fast and pray and pray for men like Judge Roy Moore. These there's such spineless, godless judges and congressmen and politicians. We need to be praying for men that are standing up for the truth, praying for pastors like Pastor Langford that are the very few in this vapid sea of pulpit compromise. We need to be praying for these men and we need to be praying for these people. Even Hillary Clinton. I've been praying for Osteen and Obama and all these people because the bottom line is no matter how evil these people are, they still are humans and it's not God's will that any one of them shall perish. And quite frankly, I don't want to see any of these people go to a devil's hell, Pastor. No, and I pray for them as well. The Bible teaches us, but Paul taught us, you know, pray that we might all lead a quiet and peaceable life. I want these people to come to the knowledge, but there are those that are going to refuse it. And, and then there comes the point in time, just like Paul, uh, God told Samuel, quit praying for Saul. I'm done yeah, with there you. was a point where yeah. it's just, he's done, right? That's right. There comes a point in time, God says, I'm, it's over with. You, you just, you're blatant. And then, see, Romans 1 talks about being turned over to a reprobate mind. That means you've already been judged. You're just waiting for the 
a fulfillment of it in, in eternity, but it's over with for those people. They can't get back to God. See, the rich man wanted to get back to God. He, you know, you know, his first recorded prayer was in hell, but it was too late. Hell is full of prayers tonight. Hell is full of thousands, millions, hundreds of millions of prayers are going up from hell tonight, but it's too late. Well, the bottom line is, in the waning moments, the countdown's here, judgment's coming, people have a choice, and the, the question tonight, folks, is, who are you going to choose? Don't quit on God, folks. He never quit on you. Keep Amen. seeking Him with all your heart, because with God, as the Bible says, all things are possible. Jesus died for you. He commended His love to you, and that, my friends, is very important to remember, that Jesus died for you. He paid the tab. Pastor Lankford, thank you so much for coming on the program tonight. Pastor Lankford's information is linked there at weekendvigilante.com and he can be heard on WWCR at 5 o'clock Eastern Monday and Tuesdays and bookmark thevoiceofevangelism.com Pastor, thank you so much again for coming on. Thank you Sheila and God bless you and bless all of your listeners and thank you for what you're doing in regarding the things of the Kingdom of God. Folks, Pastor David Langford's information is linked there at WeekendVigilante.com as well as a link to his show and his books. If you have not got his book, Revelation 13 Revealed, folks, get a copy of it. If you haven't read A Second Coming, A Second Look, get that as well. Incredible anointed books. So folks, we have a great lineup the rest of the week and I appreciate you tuning into the program today and a shout out to all the new listeners at WINB as well as the WWCR listeners. Thank you so much for tuning into the program and don't forget to send me an email. Let me know how you like the program. Thank you so much. Good night. God bless. The Sheila Zielinski Show is sponsored by SteveQuail.com offering a wide variety of products, links, headlines, and information for the end times. Order Steve's new book, Little Creatures, by visiting stevequail.com. Dare to discover, learn, prepare, and be amazed.